There are two things I'm going to mention today before we get into our message. Uh, two points I want to make first up. Um, the first one is that we live in a world with a lot of different family situations. Um, and some of those are not the best. Some of those are challenging. Not everyone enjoys a great home life. You know, I'm very blessed to have that myself, a good relationship with family and things like that. And holidays like today are not always great for everyone. Sometimes they're very difficult. And we recognize that. We want to make note of that. And if that's you, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Um, and the other point that I will mention before we get into our sermon today, is uh, that one of the most annoying people in the world is the one who is an overflowing fountain of unsolicited advice, who speaks with authority on things in which they have no experience. The same person who, when you are in a difficult situation, uh, tells you exactly what you need to do, or they say, I know what you should do, or I know what I would do if I were you. And I would say this up front to say, uh, I've never been a mother. So, uh, let's keep that in mind as I attempt to speak from Scripture in a way that will encourage mothers uh, to those who are experts in that field, of which I'm not. But I'm going to do the best I can. Maybe I'll end up with an E for effort anyway. So today we are recognizing and celebrating uh, the ladies who undergo that tackle, carry that colossal task of motherhood and I remember when our kids were growing up, they're you know pretty much grown now, obviously, but they'd say things to Christine like, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm tired, I'm cold, I'm hot. Um, can I have this? Can I have that? And to me, they would say, where's mom? And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I would get. I still get that today. Kids run right by me saying, where's Christine? Anyway, moms are faced with many different challenges and struggles as they raise their children. And I know my mother was presented with many, many challenges. Um, in my house, there were four boys, um, no sisters, just myself and three brothers. And I'm the oldest, also the smartest and, and best looking, which is obviously, I don't even really need to say that. That's, 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 that's apparent by itself. But um, we grew up on a farm uh, with lots of dangerous things like animals, guns, knives, farm implements, uh, lots of room to run wild and find trouble, lots, lots and lots of freedom. Um, my brothers and I, we all did martial arts. We were all on the wrestling team for the school. And at one point, the four of us shared one small bedroom together that's just, just slightly larger than the copier room downstairs. So you can imagine how that went. It was kind of a train wreck. There was holes in the wall and the door was off the hinges and all kinds of stuff. But uh, this was before bike helmets, um, safety equipment, safety pads, all that kind of stuff. We built, you know, ramps for bicycles, broke bones, crashed motorcycles, uh, hopped on trains, fell out of trees, got bucked off horses, were occasionally chased and bitten by dogs, um, punctured by rusty nails, and hit with rocks and a lot of other stuff that I'm not going to share because we still haven't told mom about it. But anyway, it wasn't uncommon in my house to hear my mom say something like, how long has it been since you've had your last tetanus shot? Um, and yet here I stand alive and well with a thousand stories to tell. And my mother accomplished no mean feat in keeping four boys alive in that environment. And we've grown up to be mostly productive and in one piece. So I just wanted to take the opportunity to give her credit for that on Mother's Day. It's a big deal, big job. And 
mothers in general are faced with many challenges, whether they have boys or girls. And today we're in the book of 1 Samuel. And it opens with the birth of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1 is what we're going to be reading here in a few minutes. And Samuel's mother was Hannah. And she was married to a man named Elkanah. And Elkanah had two wives. Now, one was, of course, Hannah, and the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not have children. And this was a very big deal. Um, the Israelites believed that if you had children, you were blessed, you were favored by God, and that if you didn't have children, you were not those things. Possibly you were even cursed because you couldn't have children. And this was a very real problem for Hannah, a big struggle for her. She faced a lot of difficulties because of it. And in the world we live in today, it's, it's kind of difficult to make this connection of what a big deal this was for Hannah, not for everybody, but for some, because it's not unusual for someone to choose something like a career or pursuit of a career or something else over having children. People um, sometimes do that. But for the Israelites, Elkanah, and family, uh, this, that wasn't even a decision that you would consider. Having children is what you did, and it's one of the most important things that you could do. And there wouldn't have any, been any discussions about having children. It was just it was a foregone conclusion. That's what you were going to do. That's what everybody did. Uh, having children was a way of making a contribution to society. And when you had children, you uh, were perpetuating your family name as well as uh, your national history and culture. It was a big deal. And Hannah, the lady who is Samuel's mother, uh, had a very real problem in that she was unable to have children and contribute to society in that way. And it was a big deal. Um, and at the time, you know, two or more wives in the house, same household was a regular thing. Obviously, that's not part of our culture today. But at the same time, uh, we know human nature well enough to understand that in that kind of a, a living environment, regardless of the culture and time frame, there would inevitably be conflict and jealousy and, and things like that in that kind of environment. And in Hannah and Peninnah's situation, that was very much the case, especially considering how important children were. One wife having children and the other not being able to have children added even more tension to what would already be a challenging environment and situation. So not only did Hannah have the problem of not having kids, she also had the problem of a second wife in the same household who gave her constant grief about it because she could have children. But Elkanah, the husband, loved Hannah, even though she was not able to have kids. And of course, that only made Peninnah jealous. Uh, Peninnah, that's kind of a hard name to pronounce, jealous, and it fueled her efforts to make Hannah more miserable. And at one point, she provoked Hannah to the point that she wouldn't even eat. She bothered her so much with it. And this wasn't just a passing thing. This went on and on over a long period of time. And Hannah did the only two things that a woman in her situation could do, really. Um, she wept and she prayed. She wept and she prayed. And there are times when, given the situation, that's the extent of what a person can do. You can weep and you can pray. Um, sometimes, especially in family life, with family, family can be difficult and family can do things and you can't necessarily control what they do. And it can be very challenging and sometimes 
all you can really do is pray. And it may be the case sometimes that God allows things like that in our lives so that we will turn to him in prayer. But Hannah was in a place where she had no power over her situation. But at the same time, she knew and understood that God did have power over her situation. And she asked God for a son. And of course, as she was praying, she didn't know what God would do. And sometimes when you pray, you, you don't, you, obviously you don't know what God will do. But you trust that he can do it. And she made a promise to God as she prayed for a son. She promised God that if he would give her a son, she would give that son back to God. And one time as Hannah was praying, they'd gone up to Shiloh to worship at the tabernacle, and the priest noticed her. And he saw her lips moving, saw her praying, probably with her eyes closed, and he thought she was drunk. And he confronted her about that. And she explained to him that she wasn't drunk, she was praying. And Eli said to her, go in peace, and may God of Israel grant your request. And this is where we pick up in our scripture passage today. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. And I'm going to read those to you now. And it says, They rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord. And they returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came to pass that Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Then the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah did not go, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. And then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and live there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems good to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, though the boy was young. Then they slaughtered a bull, and they brought the boy to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. There's also, therefore also I have let the Lord have him. As long as he lives, he will be dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in prayer again. We are grateful for the words we've read. We're grateful for the scripture and what we can learn. And as we expound and look to your word this morning, I pray that you would make it clear to us that we might edify and encourage our mothers and maybe gain some understanding, even though we may not be a mother. And we're thankful for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, Hannah, as we mentioned, really wanted to be a mother. It was a big deal to her. It was important. It was, it was so important in her culture. And the desire for motherhood is, is a good God-given desire. I know a lot of ladies who have really desired to be a mother. And you may have heard me say at some point that sin is a good God-given desire that's exercised outside of God's intended context or exercised in a way God doesn't intend it to be exercised. And sometimes we can take a good God-given desire and we can exercise it in an area 
or in a way that God doesn't intend for us to do, and that leads to sin. And through those misplaced desires, we can even create idols that we can might put in the place where God belongs. And that's what happens when we kind of take matters into our own hands, try to control our own situation. And a good example of that is when Sarah, or Sarai at the time, uh, gave Hagar Abraham to give him a son. And God had promised Abraham a son, and he would promised him that son with his wife Sarah. But she was older and didn't think it was possible for her to have children. So she gave her servant Hagar to Abraham. And so he could have a son with her. She took matters into her own hand and was going to make God's promise happen. And that sounds very strange to us that she would give Hagar, or her husband, her handmaid, her servant, so that he could have a son with her. Um, but at the time, that was actually the customary thing to do. And it wasn't really wrong for Sarah to do that, but it was wrong for her to not believe what God had said and take matters into her own hands. And when she did that, it led to other bad things and it caused a lot of other problems and a lot of long-term problems, made difficult things difficult for a lot of people for a long time. But Hannah is a great example of not taking matters into her own hands. She could have fought with uh, the people in her household. She could have done something like uh, the two ladies who brought the child before Solomon and were fighting over this baby. But she's a good example of not taking matters into her own hands. She's a good example of not exercising that good God-given desire outside of the context in which it's intended. She wanted something very, very much. And we've all been there at some point, but she kept that desire in the right place and turned to God with her desire in prayer and weeping. Genuinely turned to God with that desire. And the fact that she was weeping and, you know, Eli's perception of her prayer shows how strong that desire was and how invested she was in that. And God's answer to her prayer was to give her a son, Samuel. And God's answer to our prayers may not always be what we want it to be, but sometimes it may be. And in this case, it was. Hannah wanted a son and God gave her a son. And everyone faces difficulties and worries and concerns and struggles with desires. We all wrestle with those. However, a mother faces difficulties and worries and concerns that others don't. Um, there's a place where Christine and I go walk over by our house sometimes, and she walks there more than I do, and she takes the dog, but occasionally we go down together. together and there's a, uh, a duck down there, a mama duck, and we've been keeping track of her for a while, and she has nine babies. And she's managed to keep all of these babies but one alive. And that's pretty impressive. And they're just about you know, ready to leave now, I think. But uh, we have the dog with us. Of course, Trooper's on a leash. But nonetheless, the mother duck sees us coming. And the first thing she does is she starts herding all of these ducklings and herds them into the water and takes them kind of out in the middle of the lake where she knows the dog can't get to them. And when I see that, to me, I perceive that as that has to be so much stress for that mother duck to watch those ducklings all the time. And that's kind of what mothers do. I remember when my kids were small, and I would have them to myself because Christine would be doing something else, and I'd be like, good grief, you've got to watch these guys all the time. You can't ever leave them alone. So there's a lot of stress involved in that. And there's a kind of concern and stress that is unique to mothers. 
And there are, of course, the physical safety concerns for moms, but there are also mental and spiritual concerns for their children and helping them through school and raising them to be productive adults. And that can equate to a tremendous load to bear. And of course, dads are involved in that, but I do think it is different for moms. Now, eventually that brood of ducklings down at the lake, um, they're gonna grow up, they're almost there, and they're gonna move on. And they're gonna go be ducks and do duck things. And at that point, the mother's not gonna be concerned with them anymore. She's not gonna think about them anymore. Uh, however, it doesn't work like that for human mothers. That concern never goes away completely. I see that in my own wife. I see that in other mothers who have grown children. They're very much still invested in them. And that concern, that love, that, that worry, that uh, stress, well, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but it never goes away completely. And it may even get worse sometimes once a child has grown up and there's not much you can do anymore and the things they decide to do. But there are a couple of things in our passage today that might help with that worry and maybe add a few more hours of sleep to your life if you're a mother. And Hannah did a couple of things that gave her an advantage as a mother, and in turn, gave her son Samuel an advantage as well. And these are just simple actions that anyone can take. They're not complicated, but they're also very important and very effective. Now, the first action that Hannah took that any mother can do is that she turned to the Lord in prayer. She turned to the Lord in prayer, and we've already spoken about this a bit. She prayed for a son. She also prayed for her son. She prayed for Samuel even before he was born, even before she knew who he was. She was praying for him. And prayer is so easily accessible. God has made it so available. We always have access to God whenever we want, anytime we want. And sometimes when something is that available, we can almost devalue it for what it really is. And sometimes we pray and the prayer is answered and we're like, wow, that what a coincidence. Or, you know, we'll say things like, I'll pray for you or I'll pray about it. Almost, it almost sounds cliche because prayer is so available. But at the same time, it's really one of the best and most effective things that we can do is prayer. And we can always do that at any time. It's always available. And that's a wonderful thing about it. And as some of you know, my son's name is Samuel. Um, there's a reason for that. We can talk about him a little bit since he's not here this morning. He's down in Tasmania. But when Christy and I found out that Sam uh, was going to be born, the doctor said that he had a very high chance of having Down syndrome. And the doctor suggested that we could uh, have a test done to find out if that were the case. And really, the only reason you would have that test, it seemed like at the time anyway, was to decide whether or not you would keep the baby. And uh, that wasn't a decision that we needed to make. So we opted not to do the test. Then after he was born, uh, the doctor said, well, he's, he's kind of weak. He's, he's, he's never going to be very strong. He's never going to be very sporty. And then he's grown up to be disciplined and very dedicated to his training. He's a very strong young man. He loves powerlifting. Um, he was an all-star baseball player when he was younger. Uh, he helps others with their training. He works for a company that provides nutrition. And, and of all things, he's a qualified sport and exercise scientist is what he has graduated from uni as. And that's, I, when I think about that, that is so ironic to what the doctor said when he was a baby. He'll never be sporty and he'll never be very strong. And it would be easy to go, wow, what a coincidence. But that's not a coincidence. 
Of course, I'm his dad, so I'm admittedly biased. And the only answer <clears throat> to all of that is that his mother started praying for him before he was born, and she still does. The same thing, obviously, is true for our daughter. You know, they're, they're both doing well. And Hannah prayed for Samuel, and the next action she took was she turned Samuel over to God. And when I say she turned Samuel over to God, there's a, there's a key to understanding what that means. And turning Samuel over to God, she didn't just pray and tell God what he needed to do. She didn't just pray and tell God what it needed to happen or what Samuel needed to do, which is kind of the way our prayers often go, isn't it? We give God a list of things he needs to do when we pray. But she prayed for Samuel, and she also turned him over to God. She left the results up to God. And obviously, that doesn't mean just you know, going on autopilot uh, as a parent. You know, when we think about you know, God controls outcomes and our role in that, it doesn't mean just not doing anything, obviously. Uh, but there's a point when you do your best, you do the best you can and what you can, and you pray, but you relieve yourself of the responsibility of attempting con to control the things you can't control or using prayer to try to control the things you can't control. God gave Hannah Samuel, and then Samuel, or Hannah gave Samuel back to God. And if you have kids, there are likely days that you wouldn't mind giving them back to God. Um, but that's not what I say mean when I say give your children to God. Verse 28 says this. It says, Therefore also I have let the Lord have him. As long as he lives, he will be dedicated to the Lord. And Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord. And sometimes we do baby dedications here. Some of you have been part of those. Some of you have seen those. Um, the parents come up front when we do those, and it's really about the parents' commitment to raising their child in a Christian home and the church's commitment to helping them do that. And there's a part of that ceremony where I ask the parents, I say this, I say something specific, I say, do you at this time present your child before God, saying that whatever God might want your child to do or be, you're willing to release your child to God's perfect plan? And then the parents answer that question. And when we're finished, the parents take their kids back to their seat. And uh, sometimes parents celebrate that day in different ways. And it's really a wonderful time. But when that time came for Hannah, and she takes you know, Samuel to the priest, and she's turning him over to God, she left Samuel there with the priest. And she went home without him. Don't get any ideas. I love your kids, but take them home with you. Um, the Bible says in chapter 2, over, I think we might have a bit, bit too much gain on there or something. Um, the Bible says in chapter 2 that his mother would make him a little coat and bring it to him every year. And when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So Hannah gave Samuel to God, and he lived with Eli at the tabernacle. But it isn't, isn't like she gave him up completely and forgot about him. It's like what we were talking about. You know, you do the best you can, you do what you can, but ultimately you turn them over to God. She did turn his future over to God, and that was the best thing for Samuel. And you can do the same thing as a parent. You can give your children over to God in prayer. You can turn their lives over to God 
And there can be a defining moment in your life when you do that. The point where you say, Lord, I'm giving my children back to you. I'll do the best I can to care for them and love them. But ultimately, my children are yours. And one of the great things about defining moments like that is you can always use that as an anchor to set your mind on later. You can always think back to that time when you said, okay, I've done this. I've turned them over to God. And you can find peace and you can find comfort sometimes in those defining moments like that. And giving your children over to God. Understand that even people who don't know that, eventually at some point in their lives, um, they're giving their children over to something or someone. Eventually, that point comes. Kids get married. They move away. There's always the first time you leave the baby for an evening. The first time the kids spend the night away at someone else's house. First day of the school, you know, the, the first job, the, the wedding day. There's always something, someplace, somewhere where you're turning your kids over to something. And some mothers if they don't know better, just kind of have to release their kids out into the world, into the abyss. But if you know God, you can prayerfully release your children into his hands. And it's never too early to do that. It's never too late to do that. I mean, we see Hannah praying before Samuel was even born, but you can do that. Even if your kids are adults, you can do that. It's never too early. It's never too late. It's not so much about timing as it is doing it. And Samuel, he went on to do great things. He went on to be a judge in the nation of Israel, which means he was, he was a leader in Israel before they had kings. Uh, he was a prophet. He anointed the first two kings of, his, of Israel. Uh, became a great servant of God. Wonderful, just great stories reading about Samuel. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible, probably. Um, and here we are talking about him thousands of years later. And sometimes I wonder if uh, Hannah ever brought that up with Peninnah, her co-wife, and said, hey, you see what Samuel did today? Um, I don't know, maybe. When you turn things over to God, instead of trying to control everything yourself, it's amazing how he works things out. Of course, you know, there's always that balance of what we do and how we work at things, but turning things over to God, it's always works out so much better than we could have imagined. And one more thing we can do, one more action you can take is you can give your children everything they need in life, but you fall short if you don't prepare them for what comes after this life. And it's paramount that your kids hear and understand the gospel. It really is. And that's a parent's responsibility. Um, it's not the church. It's not mine. It's not the Sunday school teachers. It's the parents. We're here to help and support that, but it's parents' responsibility. And you can't decide for them what they are going to do eventually. Now, you can't do that. They're going to have to decide what they're going to do with that information themselves. But you certainly can decide if they hear it and if they understand it. And pray for them. Tell them what Jesus has done for them. It doesn't matter how old or how young they are. It doesn't matter how old or young you might be. The time to pray is now. The time to tell them about Jesus is now. The time to turn them over to God is now. It's not about being too old or too young or whether the kids are too old or too young. It's about doing it. It's about doing it.
I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a moment. I want to just have a special prayer for our mothers today. They may be listening um, online. You may be here in person. Either way, I want to pray for you now as we close out service. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we love you. We praise you. We're grateful for mothers and just their selfless love and care for each of us. We pray for their struggles, for their tireless service. I pray that they would feel loved, cared for, built up, and encouraged today because they do so much for so long, Lord, and, and sometimes it's easy to let that slip by without recognizing that, but I pray that we do that today. And we are so thankful for each and every one. We're thankful for Jesus, and I pray that as mothers do, do their best to share the gospel with their kids and help them understand that you would just be right there with them while that's going on with the children and with the mother and just give that discernment, give that courage that their kids might grow up and serve you like Samuel. We're so thankful for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.